0: Bar stool. All right, so we're going to stay on the topic of entrepreneurship, solopreneurship, business ownership, uh, inviting John Robinson, my backup CEO, back to the show. and he always has something interesting and curious to talk about. and one of the primary topics today be empathy and apathy. We'll see where that goes. but I think you'll like this one. so sit back, relax. Pop a bottle. Let's do it. Hey everybody, John here from JohnLumber.com and John Lumber Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the social media podcast where each week, even more than once a week now, we're, we're booking. We invite you to the virtual pub, and we get drunk on social media and entrepreneurship. It's really only social social media when we get Andrew Foxwell on the show, but that dude's been cutting out on me lately. Can't even count on him anymore. He's not my friend. But I do have John Robinson, JR, who's my backup CEO, business manager. Uh, We're also streaming a John and John Facebook Live at the same time for our PHC Entrepreneurs Group. And Jr. is just shaking his head about something. What's going on, Jr.? Oh, man. I am uh, shaking my head because I, I just realized I want to talk a little social media today. So. Oh, I can't wait. It's it's kind of like uh, talking about technology with you, and then you, it, it gets really frustrating and confusing for my side it, It's like you, you still have like a Commodore 64 and from 1987. And you And you're
1: wearing a hat that has sweat. Yeah. All over it still,
0: or whatever Hard that's work. Called. Hard work. <laughs> all right, so what are you drinking, JR?
1: I am drinking a Captain Morgan and Coke. Dude. With with a crazy ice cube contraption that I have. That literally, it's, a, a, it's like a golf ball. It's a golf ball ice cube. You can't see it because it took so long and it melted away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, with an ice cube golf
0: ball. That's, that's that's nice, uh, yeah. So I had to I had to panic and get out of the room and find myself a Bud Light. We have like I think we have a Bud Light can left beyond this. Otherwise, I was gonna have to break open some hard liquor or a bottle of wine or something. Didn't want to do that. I want to know what the date is on the bottom oh. of that bottle. But that was the can though that I had that. It up. has a date. It has a date too. It's it's on the bottom though. Oh, it's uh, October seventh, two thousand seventeen. See, this one's not so bad that's the born on too isn't it that's that's the born on so that this actually we're okay we're okay all right cheers to you sir cheers cheers all right so what we got today mal we're already at 12 minutes all
1: right um first off that's not the born on date so that there's no way that was born why three weeks ago i don't think so Mm. It's been a while since you've had Bud Light in the house. Uh, We're gonna talk about a lot of stuff today. So the first thing, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs experience this as you are doing a great job of showing how crazy it is backstage to run a business, to run your life. It is not all crossing your T's and dotting your I's. It's kind of a hot mess. And with that being said, if I'm putting a mirror in front of you, you know, how do you look at yourself when you go through this? Are you really hard on yourself? Uh, like, are you as bad as you think you
0: are when all this stuff goes down? Um, I mean, I, I guess it t- depends on on the perspective we're taking, right? So, um, it, when when this stuff went down, I you know, I, it's no big deal to me. It, it used to be, there used to be a time where I really struggled with it. Um, So, for example, when I sent out that email and I found out, it's like two hours later, maybe an hour later, that that, that I had the wrong day. I was actually kind of relieved because my internet was not behaving too well today. Again, this this is like the upside down. Things have not been going well. Uh, And uh, so I was relieved that it was going to be tomorrow. But um, first of all, it's a small group, so it wasn't a big deal. And we had about 50 people signed up for it. but, no, there was a time where each one of those little things, I freaked out. So, like I said, if I send out an email, I have a typo, you know, do something where... It, what's funny is uh, I got this nice uh, message from Tracy when I asked, you know, if anyone was freaking out about it. Um, what did she say? She said something real nice. I can't, I can't even find it right now. But basically something along the lines of, you know, a pep talk of building me up and puffing me up a little bit, which we all need. But um, it's, it's it, we all make mistakes, as long as it's not what, catastrophic. What did
1: she say? You've you got me wondering now. What did
0: she say to puff you up? Where would it go? Uh, here it is. Um, notices, no one notices more than you. You put out more good stuff than errors. I hope so. And you own up to it instead of ignoring it or blaming others. And I responded, It's all your fault. <laughs> so that was that's, that was our relationship. But no, so that's uh it was good. It's good to have someone who will say something like, like that right away.
1: She must be drinking. What time is what time zone is she in? I, I don't know.
0: She's in Canada somewhere. The
1: Canadian time zone. <laughs> right. It must be happy hour where she's at for her to say that. Mm. So no, I, I say that because um, I I realize that entrepreneurship is pretty tough. Uh, it can be tougher when you look in the mirror and are hard on yourself, and look in the mirror, and it, and if you're you're too easy on yourself too, because sometimes it's, are you as good as you think you are? Because I I uh, I find that in the social media space, the marketing space, the that that there's a lot of people who are better than they think
0: <laughs> i mean you know, they they're, they're not as good as, good as they, they think
1: they,
0: think they are yeah, yeah and i and we've talked about this a little bit i you know there may have been a point this year where I was too easy on myself for i don't know, I don't know if that's how you describe it or not, but <clears throat> I was slipping a little bit, I think, and um. You, you got to fire yourself up some way, somehow. And you, so eventually you've got to be critical of yourself, uh, motivate yourself when you're not doing things the way you think you should be at the level you should be or whatever. So yeah, you still have to have a, a clear picture, um, unbiased picture, I guess, an objective um, view of, of how you're doing and what you're doing because there is a danger of both sides of being too hard on yourself or just saying I'm awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, I liked where you go. That is the first thing that shows up for me is feedback and end of the day. You're, you're right. It is about feedback loops and understanding, you know, Hey, do others see yourself as you do? And sometimes the feedback can support that. And then sometimes it doesn't but end of the day i think that you know when i've seen organizations work really well is that they ask for feedback and they seek feedback from many different places if you look at uh back in the days when you were in corporate america yeah. i know i know when i was there we did 360 degree uh feedback you know meaning that our performance reviews were 360 so they w- we would give feedback to you know, the, our boss about, you know, him or her and then vice versa. But it, it is a science. It's just kind of art and a science of, of uh, seeking feedback. And I think I've told you this before. There's a book called thanks for the feedback. And part of the, the premise of that book is just to give three forms of feedback. And you probably do this well in coaching. Uh, the first form is compliment. It says, Hey, great swing. Second form is, here's what I observe. I'm observing you. The bat is, you know, a little too much on your shoulder. or It's, you know, your hand position is wherever it is. I don't know baseball. (laughs) so I'm making this up. And then the final, the final part of feedback after you've shared your observation and shared your compliment is to share how you would do it. You know, like literally, like for me, if it was golf, you know, and, and you, I'd be like, Hey. You go use the ladies' clubs, because that's what I would tell you to go do. If uh,
0: that <laughs> seems pretty sexist.
1: <laughs> no. No, meaning shorter clubs. Mm-hmm. That's kind of funny that you'd even say that with all this going on out in the world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there there are junior clubs and women's clubs and men's clubs. But yeah, those are the three forms of feedback. So I know that you're thankfully Tracy shared some feedback with you, which was true and complimentary. And then you just move beyond it. Have you ever found yourself thinking you were
0: as bad? (laughs) You're as bad as as what was going on? Yeah. You blame yourself? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely in the beginning. But, you know, first of all, I think it is important to have people around you who will be honest, though, as well. So kind of like what you're saying. It's not that it's always, it's only complimentary. It's you know, being objective and um, working in the compliments while also being constructi- constructively critical. And that's a lot, as, it is very similar to coaching. And there's this organization called the Positive Coaching Alliance where, like, the whole thing is, and this, this is true in life. Man. I mean, you remember the, 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 um, uh, the criticisms the neg- negativity more than anything. So if someone if someone gives you one negative statement that's all you're going to remember as opposed to you know two or three nice things they said. So the the point is to try to balance that out as much as possible. So when you do have something critical to say um it'll be it'll be heard as opposed to every time you have something something to say it's always you did this wrong, do this wrong, you do this wrong. But if, if usually you say, "Oh, you did I really like the way you did this." Um you know, I, I, um, you should do this kind of thing again in the in the future um, and balance it out. I, th- I think then people are much more willing to hear the criticism.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I got when you use the word positive, one of my friends, Eric Williams, is at Harvard right now on a he got a design fellowship, so he is there to spend a year learning how to design things that have a bigger social impact. And so it's this really cool fellowship of I believe eight to 10 people they picked around the world once a year. And I just received what's called a point positive assessment. And what they they did, they're asking me for feedback, really a story, three stories. They want three stories of when you remember a time when blank like whatever it was that was positive, a positive story. And they're aggregating all of these positive stories that are collected, you know, on behalf of Eric. And then they're going to look at the the key characteristics, like his core strengths. So they're developing his core strength from all of these positive stories, which I find to be pretty cool, but it was a great little experiment. And it just kind of piggyback to what you just said on kind of this positive support of, you know, you know, tell, remember a time when.
0: And that's why I think that Tracy just did a
1: great job with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also helpful to, if, I'm just being more creative about the way you criticize too. So it could be a matter of walking someone through, and I think you do this a lot, like what would you do differently? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as opposed to you coming out and saying you, you should have done this differently, this, this was messed up. It's like, okay, I, how did it go? Tell tell me all, all about what happened, how you did it, um, what, what do you think could have been done bit differently, what went well, what didn't go well. So where you've kind of, be, you have to be self-critical and then the person you're communicating that with can provide feedback in terms of whether or not think that's valid or, or not, uh, to be supportive as possible. So yeah, there's, there's lots of different ways to go about it.
1: All right, so I got to sum it up and move on. So what I heard you say is like, hey, well-rounded feedback. Hmm. Well-rounded feedback is important. The people that you surround yourself with is important. I would also say know your audience because I would believe that uh, you on the coaching field could share feedback in a softer or harder way with a particular player and it could impact them Mm -hmm. pretty tough you know some some players are more sensitive than others so i would say that's point three after knowing what a well rounded piece of feedback is knowing the people that you want to get that from or give that to and then knowing that audience you know if you're give providing feedback to them knowing how sensitive they might be or might not be now here's the last component of that that i see fall through the cracks so much is that people don't do anything with it yeah you know they do surveys they do they get annual performance reviews they get personal development plans they get all these things and it becomes shelfware and i've seen that happen so much in small business and big business when i was in corporate so you know what do you think about that it's like that doing something with it
0: yeah i mean yeah it's because it's not constructive if you're not if you don't take some sort of action it's like oh I was I did this horribly but it'll probably happen again because I'll do the same thing again next time
1: yeah ugh that's, so strong. Heard that's too strong I've that too strong I gotta drink lighter alcohol <laughs> All but, Right.
0: so I, I would add you know though that because I, I I think it's important that you do get some sort of criticism yeah because you think about the world today I, I feel like we keep uh, hearing, hearing people getting away with ridiculous things like why in the world would they do that like what kind of person would have done X you know um, and it's because of the people they surround them partially because of the people they surround themselves with that they made that behavior acceptable that they didn't call them on it and say what the hell are you doing don't do this anymore. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like we can, especially if you look at famous people, people with a lot of power. Uh, if you just surround yourself with, with yes men, you might feel good about yourself, but you may completely miss the reality of the way you perceive. Not only perceive, but start missing the reality of what right and wrong is, because uh, everybody's like, "Oh no, oh no, it's it's okay." You no, know, even though they say what you did is evil. It, it's, it was the right thing, you know? So I think yeah. it's really important you got uh, the right people. It's not, they're not just puffing you up all the time.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Now, before I move on, if you were friends with A.J. Green, and for those that don't know, uh, A.J. Green, Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver, who just fought like he was a 12-year-old kid. On the football field yesterday, I, I, I missed
0: it. I kind of heard sort of about it, but I didn't see it. <laughs> oh, you didn't see it? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, so it doesn't—it doesn't even matter. You'd have to see the video because if you were a friend of his, I would love to know what you were told him. <laughs> but in essence, in essence, it was a temper tantrum on the football field, which involved just fighting another, hitting hitting another player with his hand in the helmet. Okay, like, how smart is that? So not real smart. Not real smart. All right, second thing. um, Apathy. Do you know what apathy is versus empathy? Yeah. Well, apathy is is when you don't care. Okay, yeah, it is. When lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Empathy is showing concern for somebody else, yeah. Concern. So, I want to see where... I mean, I don't care what those mean, but... (laughs) Exactly. But I want to see where you see apathy in business, and entrepreneurship. When you see that people just really don't care, and I'll, I'll jog your mind a little bit. So let's say not responding to emails. Let's say a company just doesn't respond to emails. And I'm not meaning you. Right? Oh, okay. I'm, not, I'm, not doing a, I'm not doing a bad joke. But um, it, I've seen that it's really important when you kind of pull put a fine tooth comb through your business processes, through the way that you run business, the way that you manage people, is to look and just say, man, am I being empathetic or apathetic? And is there any other things in business that you show up at like, man, they just don't, they don't they don't really care. You know, they don't show any interest in customers. They, um, I'll give you another one. It's like, all right, don't respond to emails. But be defensive when I offer a suggestion. You know, I, I I sometimes have a hard time giving feedback at restaurants because I really don't think they want <laughs> honest feedback. You know, they they really they're not interested in honest feedback. They just want the compliment. So that's and to me, that's where apathy shows up in business, where they're not interested in the hard truth.
0: Yeah, I I, I would say apathy would show up uh, for any business that clearly cares most about just how much money they make. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. So how they go about it, don't care. Right. Bending some rules yeah. Are they screwing some people over? Being a little misleading with, with their sales tactics? Whatever. Whatever it takes to get them to buy so they can make some money. So they can I thought put, they were the
1: greatest in the world.
0: They they'd probably think that. Yeah, because hey, I'm the greatest in the world so I can do that. I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: I, I like um, another example that showed up was dumbing down products. So they appealed to the lowest common denominator. Like meaning if you really want to have a, you know, a great quality product. And I think of Mercedes. I think of Mercedes when it was a very expensive car years and years ago. And now they have, you know, twenty thousand dollar Mercedes, twenty five thousand dollar Mercedes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's shocking to me that they've they're they're just trying to sell, sell, sell as much as they can, and instead of just holding to that quality brand of you know all that was tied with it. And I even think of, of with you, there are some areas that you don't dumb down your services. You don't dumb down the products uh, to where. Yeah, you could reach the masses, but then you're not really helping the masses. I think there's a huge distinction between reaching the masses and helping the masses. Do you, do you see that? You see that connection? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I do. I <laughs> <laughs> tried to convince uh,
0: you of that for so long. <laughs> you're like, oh, we got we got offers some beginner stuff. We got to do that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I. I I, I feel like I need to, to push so you can push back because if you don't push back, I know you were bullied and put in a locker when you're in high school and grade school. So I'm just training you to push back a little. That's why I say a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about put you on hold? For those of you who have businesses that put people on hold, do you think pe- putting people on hold... Good thing, bad thing, empathetic, apathetic. I
0: don't know. I think uh, as the person being put on hold, you have to have some empathy for the person putting you on hold as well. Like, why are they putting you on hold? Yeah. You know, is it because they don't care? Is it because they got a you know they got a lot, a lot on their plate? Yeah. I think uh, context matters.
1: It does. It does. Uh, another one that showed up was "Don't miss me if I'm gone." so i'm a customer no longer a customer really didn't matter they really didn't care they really didn't reach out to me really didn't try to engage me so i just went away mm-hmm. that's a fine line too
0: because some customers aren't the right customers for yeah. everyone i mean that's what do they say say lobby yeah uh because yeah i mean you can look at it a couple of ways i mean um did you, Is it somebody who was um, a customer who got a lot out of it, who added a lot to your brand, to your community, to your product, whatever it was, somebody you built a strong relationship with, and then they got upset about something you did and they, they're no longer a customer? I think that's where it should hit home. You're like, what happened there? Is there something that I could have done differently? Now, if it's someone who it's clearly not your customer and the complaints they have are just not consistent at all with uh, your brand or your approach or anything. Um, it is what it is. Let them go. That's fair. Yeah.
1: All right, I got to get into social media marketing. I have to, I have to do this. Great. And I'm really going to open up a can of worms right now. And it's just because um, I'm working on another project and this other project is a franchise. And in the franchise, they offer national social, I love why my phone just rings. Um, and they that's them calling probably. And they offer social media marketing support. Hmm. Oh, that's how I feel. It's like, hmm, what are you really doing for us? Where are you really going with it? And so far, um, I think they're gonna write a few email campaigns for us, and I think they might manage our Facebook page. <laughs> that's, that's what I think social media marketing is. Yeah. So I need to, I need to go to you for advice starting from scratch for those that are like, well, how the heck do I navigate this whole social media marketing space so that I reach the audiences I wanna reach, with the messages I wanna reach? There's so many things out there. What advice would you give to somebody that was like, all right, I wanna hire a social media a- marketing agency tomorrow?
0: Yeah, well, I would, because I, honestly, I feel like the so- social media marketing managers tend to fall into two different types of buckets. In my opinion, I could be completely off base. You have the one group that um, uh, works hand in hand with the, the client. Um, they, they manually are in there, uh, creating new content for them, trying to uh, engage the audience, uh, conscious of their brand philosophies and their voice, and everything, using their imagery to try to, you know, and it, it, they're kind of part of the team, right? <clears throat> As opposed to like a cookie, cookie cutter approach, what I would worry about, especially on a franchise level. Okay, find out more about them. Uh, how many clients do they have? They got hundreds of clients, they got dozens of clients, are they all in the same industry? How do they create content for them? Do they do they create the same content for all their clients? Or they're just, Duplicating everything they're doing, or mm-hmm. are they v- being very conscious about the individual client and their voice and their their brand and and how how they want to speak for them. Um, because I think there's a lot of that out there. Like they're trying to automate it as much as possible, try to create as uh, create as much content, trying to game the system with uh, Facebook's algorithm, trying to get as many clients as possible. And you just got to be conscious of what you're getting. So here's,
1: here's a danger that shows up for me with this. And for all you mm-hmm. social media marketing experts out there, the first thing that shows up is how in the heck would a national brand, national infrastructure, national team know my local market first off? So that that's where I'm thinking, okay, is the voice of San Diego different than – the voice that they would use for New York, the voice they'd use for Chicago, the voice they'd use for Wisconsin. So that's the first rub for me, is how to look at social media from the stance that, are the voices that tailored? Like meaning, is is, is a community, is San Diego more Facebook penetration than Instagram or you know Pinterest or any of these other social media platforms? It's like, man, how can they just, like you said, cookie cutter? How can they just say, like, okay, th- we're just going to run this one campaign of Instagram, this one campaign of Facebook, this one campaign, and same message, same picture, everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's scary to me. Am, am I off with that?
0: Is that, 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 is that, a, is that a, a relevant worry? Yeah, it's a, it's a relevant worry. I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's one of the many issues I have with, with the industry so basically, what I would do is, is um, interview that potential uh, not, not customer, potential um, vendor. Okay. And yeah. Just kind of get ideas. What is what would their approach be? What's their strategy? What is it they still need to know before they can start? And if they're like, "Oh, we could start today," and they're all about if they bring up things like the the algorithm, and they talk about you know focusing on volume. And, uh, you know, and, and not, not really thinking about, you know, what, what are the messages you want to get out there? What, what's oh, your, what's your customer? You're killing like? me. You're
1: what? killing me right now because what they said, they said, I said, well, Hey, when you onboard us, would you onboard us with knowing what our goals are? They're like, no, we're just, we're just trying to get as many leads as possible. Many <laughs> leads as possible. That's it. We're yeah. trying to master the algorithm for as many leads as possible. And I mean, I sat there like, I hope they're kidding. Yeah. And they're not. And and they're not. What are some other like landmines that you can think of? Like what you just said, it's like, all right, they're talking algorithm. They're talking put as many leads into the sales funnel as possible. What what are some other things that show up? You're just like, hey. That's a that's a yellow flag.
0: Yeah. How do they create content? So if they never ask you for a, a list of articles that, you, that they can share, or um, some some photos that you can use, you know, you got creative assets, um, you got pictures of staff members, stuff that's happening around the the store. Um, if they don't. If they don't interview you to learn as much about your business as possible <clears throat> and they're ge- they're somehow generating content without all that <laughs> exactly <laughs> they're, well, they're, they're basically what they're doing is just saying um, based on our algorithms this is this industry we need to create we need to run a search for the most popular content in this industry and we're going to share that and we're going to get more engagement that's the kind of stuff they're going to be doing guaranteed Oh, my God. You and your phone. Gosh, the phone.
1: People are calling off the hook. The worst. And I have it on mute, so I have no idea why that's working like that. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah. So I, I love this idea of, you know, having them interview because the word community just showed up for me. But this idea of, you know, they they got to know my community. They got to yeah. know where we're at, especially for a product that, that isn't
0: well known. Yeah. Um, and. It, the, it, and I gotta Go tell you, this is precisely why I did not last long as a social media manager. But um, it's, it's knowing how I should be doing it, but it's also knowing that I could never speak for the brand personally. And you know, I, I can't say that for everybody. Like I never felt comfortable speaking for somebody else because um, I'm not their voice. Um, I don't, you know, have I don't, I don't I'm not in their store right now and be able to take pictures of what's happening there seeing their you know their, their employees and what they're doing their customers what they're doing. I don't really get that vibe I don't know that vibe so that kind of stuff um, I never really could do it and like the, the times when I had con- those kind of contracts I would outsource that portion of it and hopefully they knew what they were doing <laughs> because I, I've always felt uncomfortable with it. So, so what would you recommend? Would you recommend
1: that, when you said outsource, I'm thinking you would recommend having someone that's in the field, this idea of field marketing, like someone out there on the battlefield, taking pictures, to
0: doing- Ideally. Ideally, Ideally. okay. um, If not, someone who has a close relationship with that client, to be able to collect that information that that type of those those assets, you know, direct them have have strategies, you know, have these calls and sessions where they ha- can have someone else involved in this. T- tell them, you know, what happened this week in the store. What are some stories you can tell? Did you take some photos? What you know, what all happened? Send those to me. So so you know so that they're involved in that way, or some somehow they are in tune with the client, trying to understand how they tick and how they speak and. How they communicate with their client or their customers, and what their ideal customers like, and all these kinds of things. So those are all things that I had no desire to do. Uh, but and it, it sounds like a lot of work. It's a lot of and, work, and, and that's and, why and, I, I think ideally it's it's an employee of the company, right? Perfect world should be, yeah.
1: And and as you say that, if I were the social media marketing agency, one of the things that I feel would be compelling to do is to train someone that's in the market that let's say it's an employee of the store and equip them with you know how to take the right pictures how to you know write a blog about you know experience of the week how to gather customer testimonials i mean all these things that you really can't do from across the water right and 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 I think what, what's showing up for me, because back in the days when I was national, I was head of national marketing for a division of Citibank or a product line of Citibank. And we had local marketing. You know, we had local marketing, all the branches. And because the Internet, you know, wasn't like it is today, we had to really depend on the field for the voice, for... The actual tone, because if you're living in San Diego and I'm doing marketing for Denver, what's today, November 6th, the weather here, oh. <laughs> I'm, not, I, I'm not talking whatever's going on in Denver, but it's so easy to touch the entire world from your home office and that's what I find. It's like, wow, the, the, everyone thinks, like, okay, since you can work from anywhere in the world, you can, like you said, speak up for everyone around the world. Speak up for a small town.
0: Speak up for a big town. And you really can't. Yeah. You really can't. I listen to you say that. <clears throat> well, I'm just think about it. Can you imagine if I had somebody else writing my Facebook posts, writing my blog, sending my emails, We've had many people offer to do one or all of those things, and I just can't even imagine how someone could do that. Now, my brand's a little bit different than most because it is in my name, but at the same time, it's like just to—it's one thing to have someone in your store in your company who you you're talking to and you know that they have a—they've got this that they understand you know what you're doing. And to be able to handle those things. So you hire someone from who knows where, you don't see them, you rarely talk to them, and they, they're, they're just like, I'm just going to create a bunch of content for you. I don't know how you trust anyone to do that.
1: All right, I, I have to segue into... Segway? Seth Godin, segue into Seth Godin post, which he did today. And it's called this post. This is post 7,000. What? 7,000. What? What? what he you said, mean like a
0: blog post or what? Yeah, seven thousand blog posts. Seven thousand
1: blog posts. See, he's
0: just writing a, a sentence per blog post now. What's going on? No. So, so, so. Here's what he said: delivered free
1: daily for decades. You can subscribe at no cost by email, by following this blog on Twitter or Facebook, and best of all by RSS. There are no ads, never have been. No guest posts, of course. No one can buy a slot or a referral. And all Amazon affiliate revenue is donated to Build On or to Acumen. Those are his causes. Hmm. But here's what I like what he says I write every word. I don't understand outsourcing something this personal. It's a privilege. That's what he said. That, that's how he looks at it. It's a privilege to write something this personal and to outsource it. Makes no sense," yeah. he said. "The secret to writing a daily blog is to write every day and to queue it up and blog it. There's no other secret. The blog contains more than two million seven hundred thousand words. <laughs> and I did not realize I'm going to talk about this till this moment, but here is the book that that he produced of his blogs. Oh my god! <laughs> he, <laughs> do you see that? For those that can't see it, it is, I believe, 20-some-odd pounds and 600 pages. And it is it was six years of his blogs and, and pages. And it's wonderfully designed. It's crazy. But you look at that's what he did, and I think he sold 150 bucks a book. Something like, that. Yeah. Yeah, but to ship it was 40 bucks. Oh. <laughs> yeah, something like that. but but end of the day, uh, he says, "I haven't missed a day in many, many years. The discipline of sharing something daily is priceless. Sometimes there are typos. I hope that that they're rare, and I try to fix them. but I, I just like that that this uh, the book is seventeen pounds. He, he He writes it in there. I didn't know that. But um I just like the idea of knowing that it's saying something's a privilege. Do you do you see writing from your
0: heart as a privilege versus outsourcing it like he does? Yeah, I, I think um, why I get a lot out of this is because I put my heart and soul into it. And it's not just a matter of how much content can I create. You know, it's, it's whether it's these, it's the emails I send, or, you know, the blog posts I write, or <clears throat> whatever. There's personality behind it, too. I mean, there's... My thoughts and my opinions and my beliefs and values that are baked into it. So now I can I don't know if I could write a blog post every day. (laughs) Uh, Well, and 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 here's a distinction with
1: yours and his. Um, Like I'll read one quick one right now. It's called a, a hierarchy of organizational needs. Make it properly. Make it on time. Make it efficiently. Make promises. Make it matter, make connections, make a difference, make a ruckus, make change. And then he says, it gets more and more compelling and more difficult as you move from making it properly to making change, but we need all of it. And that's his
0: blog. Yeah, so So, that's that's the difference, the style. I mean, he's really good at being concise. Right. I am not. No, you... So, yeah, if I tried to write every day, I'd burn myself out badly. Right. And I could do it, because I mean, writing is not hard for me. But it, it wouldn't become fun anymore. Right? Yeah, I think part of
1: of your writing, I would call you, kind of a novel blogger. Like your your blogs are are lengthy. They, they I don't know what the number. Don't isn't there like a site that shows the number of minutes it takes to read mm. a particular blog? I'd imagine yours is probably three to five minutes, maybe five minutes. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say like Seth's are minute, two minutes tops. Right. So that's how you can do that. But yeah, so going back to how do I, what can I do to make the smartest decision on a social media marketing agency? And I heard you say, man, look out for them to see how interested they are in you and getting to know you. Look at how curious they are about the assets that you have available so they can leverage them. Look at how they create content and where that content's coming from. And if that content's tailored, because if it's just vanilla content, there's a lot of that crap out there. It is. Yeah. And, I, I was, it, I,
0: it's,
1: and, it's, and I'm worried. I'm worried. Cause you, I, I didn't go into detail, but you know, this is a franchise that there's a lot of money being spent. Um, it's, Three hundred grand per store, and we got three of them. It's a million bucks, and we're depending on the success of it by an agency in, you know, Phoenix, that
0: doesn't know much about San Diego. So I got to figure this out quickly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be wary of. That doesn't mean it's something that you should not do. Wary of anything that, um, shortens the time to do things. Okay. Anything that automates okay. um, And that's exactly why I was concerned and, and took a long time before warming to the idea of using messenger bots uh, Because I worry about losing the, the personal touch and, Is and that
1: apathy? That. So we go back to apathy We'll go, we'll ring it back Is it more empathetic or apathetic? To do that, to speed things up, to
0: shorten time, oh, that's to more apathetic, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It do, it doesn't seem like you care that much.
0: Potentially now, if the end goal is to provide some new value that you're not able to provide manually, then I guess we get back into empathetic.
1: Okay, well, I'll ask one more question. I'm gonna take another swig because I still have some left. You're probably done with your. Nah, reality. I've been done. All right. So, oh, it tastes better now. The ice melted. So when you just mentioned the bot thing, why why a bot? Because, right? hey, it is going to speed things up. It's going to automate things. What, what's, what's the scoop? Give, give those
0: who are going to start seeing some bot stuff going on with John Loomer. Well, it's a test. I mean, first of all, when you visit my page now, and you send a message to my page. Uh, it's basically going to be more more cases than not Tracy or Lucas responding, and they will always sign off. It's not good, you're not going to think it's me. Or if I'm responding, I'll sign off as myself. But that takes time. It takes time to respond. Now, <clears throat> sometimes whatever you need can be given to you immediately, without us having to do it. So that's one of the thing I, things I want to do is. In, like if you can improve improve customer service in your restaurant by being able to serve certain things to people without having to wait in line that could provide value as long as the 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 loss and the personal touch isn't too much of a negative so um, what we're experimenting again it's just an experiment we're experimenting with this process where um, you start the conversation with the bot and there you have s- several paths you can take almost like a Choose your own adventure. Like, Okay, I want to subscribe to this. I want to get more of this information. I want you to teach me this. Um, Or I have a question, and can you answer it for me? And if you have a question, then we'll funnel you in. You'll actually ask a question to a real person. But I just want to make sure that if you don't need that real person, hopefully we can get you what you wanted quickly. So that's that's the thought process for that, at least.
1: I, I like that because because here here's what shows up. There, there's a likelihood of detachment when you over-automate. I mean mm-hmm. that 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 is exactly the headline to me to be concerned about. Is there's a, there's a likelihood of detachment of when you when you automate? So automate wisely. I feel like that's a, a, a Luke Skywalker, <laughs> a Yoda. You
0: know, yeah, I, look I, honestly, I think um, it's rare that. You will regret not automating something. What I mean by that is, um, you know, even though you could serve more people, potentially make more money, you have all these other, you know, potential positives of automating things. Um, What I've seen over and over with my businesses, more more times than not, I don't automate and people appreciate it, and they appreciate that, that uh, personal touch, and they appreciate that I'm actually doing things and not hiring someone else to do, do all, you know, oh. writing my blog, sending my emails and all that kind of stuff. So it's a balance though, so you have to figure out at what point is this beneficial to me without losing what makes, uh, allows people to connect with my brand in the first place.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: All right, go get that check. All right, I've called over the bartender for a tab. And geez, man, are you getting top shelf? Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll take, <sighs> take, the, uh, take the bill this time. While well, I'm drinking a Bud Light that expired two years ago. Exactly. But thanks for being out again, JR. Where can people find you?
1: <sighs> Last sip. at BackupCEO on Twitter.
0: And then BackupCEO.com. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thanks, everybody else. Until next time, do awesome things. We are out.